You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with Paul Crosby. He's the drummer and percussionist in the US band Saliva. The reason for the conversation was to promote the then-upcoming tour of Australia by the band Saliva, which occurred through February of 2018. So let's see what Paul has to say. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Paul, Andy Mackay-Smith calling. How are you going? How's it going, man? Plugging away, mate. It's the morning over here. What time is it where you are? Uh, almost 3.30, afternoon. Ah, oh, sweet. Well, it's Jack Daniels' time then from the sounds of things, is it? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no worries, mate. Look, I'll kick things off because I think I've only got 15 minutes today. Um, mate, welcome... <laughs> Welcome. What can I say? You are touring Australia for the first time, and what took you guys so long to visit, and what's your relationship been like with Australian fans over the years? Well, um, what took us so long to visit was definitely not um, lack of us wanting to go. Uh, It it really, realistically, um, oddly enough, we never really had an agent with connections to get us over there. It was It's kind of weird how how that worked out for us, but... um, but we recently hooked up with a you know a, a good international agent who's got us got us a lot of dates going on on the maps uh, in the books you know in places that we haven't been to so we're we're pretty excited. Yes, yeah, sweet. And have you received a lot of feedback from Australian fans over the years? Like, do you get a lot of interaction over social media and on Facebook? Yes, actually, for about the past three or four years, maybe even longer, I have been telling our manager and everybody that. That the you know we get a lot of uh, of people uh, our face fans on Facebook hitting us up from over there. I mean more so than any anywhere else. And I've been saying that I was like, man, we need to go over there. We need to go over there. We have a lot of fans there. So, so uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, excited to see see what's going to happen. But I think it's going to be good. Yeah, cool. And mate, the band is ten albums deep. You've had a change in front man, and you've spent countless hours traveling highways, reading newspapers and media devices in airport departure lounges and staying in hotels and other less salubrious accommodation. Are Saliva survivors? And what do you attribute the band's success to? Um, what do I attribute the band's success to? What was the first part of the question? I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, you, you've, you've been doing it a long time, you know, and you've survived a change in front, man. And yes. No yes. doubt, you know, you've been... Oh, yeah, advanced. what do you think? Yeah, how how have you survived is what I'm saying. Yeah, how we, um, I think persistence, <laughs> <laughs> persistence, man. Um, that and and you know, obviously, it, it, you have to have a, some core fans because without them, you can be persistent all you want, but if nobody wants to hear it <clears throat> or nobody supports it, then it's nothing. So, you know, number one is our fans. You know, sticking it out you know, sticking with us. And then number two is, you know, our persistence of, of we're not going to quit, um, you know, until the day nobody wants to hear it anymore. And that day hasn't come yet. So. <laughs> yeah, sweet. No, good for that too, mate. Yeah. I think it gets better and better with time. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, actually. Um, I'm not just pissing in your pocket when I say that as well. I was watching a video of one of your more, one of your more recent videos with the new front man. Now, without any uh, dispersions cast over Josie's time in the band, I think your new guy might be a step in a better direction. I would agree, yeah, and, and the same. You know, we're, we're all still, um, 
you know, for good friends with Josie and any other past members, there's never been a, a bad breakup for us. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, when Josie, Josie decided to leave for, for personal reasons, um, you know, we wanted to be with his family and not tour and really do music anymore, but we've all, you know, we remain friends. So that's, that's another, you know, part of, I think what's also helped our longevity is the fans didn't have to like, you know, pick sides and all kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It was just, a, it was just, just, just is what it is, you know? So that yeah. helps. No, it's a really important point. Keeping things civil, particularly in this day and age of bloody social media and people's opinions catching fire very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. mate, there is For some, sure. there's something in the band's sound that's always reminded me of a more accessible version of stuck mojo. So I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm a guitarist and bass player and I'm a long time fan of Rich Ward's guitar yeah. playing. Mate, is that feedback that you've received before? Yeah, Does yeah. it resonate? I've never heard a comparison to Stuck Mojo. However, I, I'm a huge Stuck Mojo fan. Yeah, and, and played many shows with those guys back in the day mm. in other projects you know, I've been in. Um, haven't had that comparison, but I definitely would agree with you on that. I, I And I've never really thought about that either, either so it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, I remember when I got into you guys back in the early 2000s and I remember thinking, shit, you guys sound like, because Stuck Mojo then was sort of, you know, the wheels were falling off with all due respect and um, yeah. Rich was getting into the Fozzy thing and I thought, okay, this you guys might be the band to sort of take over from their mantle. Yeah. You know. I would agree. Cool. That theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So talking about the early 2000s, so... I think it's fair to say the band commercially peaked, you know, in terms of you got onto a lot of the FM radio stations around the world and particularly in the States around the Spider-Man soundtrack, which I think was released in 2002 with the track Hero. Now, opportunities don't like that don't come along to just any band. You've got to have talent. Now, I realize it was your then frontman, Josie Scott, that was the key contributor to that effort. But some key decision makers in the biz must have seen a lot of potential in the band even back then. So what are your thoughts on that episode of the band's career and would you do it all over again? I would totally do it all over again. Um, um, I mean, I would, I would probably make some different choices on the personal side, but musically I would do it all over again. For <laughs> cool. sure, man. Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, yeah, those were some good times, you know, some, uh, uh, a lot, a lot of big moments happening real fast, you know, it's pretty cool, pretty cool time. How, do, how does an opportunity like that come about? Is it, is it, does the record company just say, look, you guys are a band we want to promote and hey, Josie, go and work with Chad from Nickelback? Is that how it works? Or is it, is it, is it more that you guys were mates with Chad well, and? I think, uh, well, here's how it happened. And there's the old saying, it's, it's, it's all about who you know, you know what I mean? And that does really ironically come into play a lot, especially in the music business. Um, but, we happened to, um, before we had a record deal, we got signed by uh, a manager a manager named Brian Coleman. He works for a company called Union Entertainment. Anyway, he also had signed Nickelback, and this was before Nickelback blew up. Their, their first record was, you know, he was with them, signed them, got them their deal with they're on their first record. Their first record did okay, and but their second record is what really blew up. Um, so we... We get kind of a stroke of luck on that that he was managing them and 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 us and then you know their second record came out we were actually on tour with them and seen seen it happen you know their record their second record blew up and then when Chad got that you know obviously our manager being smart um, wanted to try to help have you know have us 
them help us out as much as possible since he managed them as well. So whenever that opportunity came around for Chad, um, our manager, you know, and our label talked to Chad and was like, Hey man, you know, this, we would consider, you know, help us out. And, and then, and then plus we were friends with Chad and them, so that didn't hurt. And then that's, that's kind of how that happened. Happened. We happened to be being managed by the same person managing Nickelback at the time. Yeah, sweet. Look, part of what I do, actually, I do host a podcast series. I'll let you know that. And part of what I like to do is lift the veil on some key moments in a band's career. So you've just done that. Thank you. Gives people some insight because, I mean, I, I trawled yeah. the internet trying to find the story about how it happened and it wasn't there. So it might be out there now for people. Yeah. That's straight from the horse's mouth. There you go. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So, mate, you, you are a noted drummer. In fact, you've featured in Modern Drummer magazine. What got you into drumming and percussion and uh, who keeps you and what keeps you inspired? Um, well, um, the drumming, what got me into drumming is when I was a, when I was a kid, um, my parents adopted, um, adopted a, a, a guy who, you know, my adopted brother and he happened to be play drums and I would always watch him. And that's kind of what inspired me and made me want to play drums initially. Um, and I wasn't really into metal or anything at that time. I was pretty young, but Around the time, you know, Slayer, South of Heaven, Metallica, Master Puppets, those records came out. Some, I wasn't getting into skateboarding, and some friends of mine, some friends of mine, you know, we had the jam boxes, and they would, be, they were playing that, and I, and, I, and those, those records, like I think Master of Puppets, like changed my whole perspective on shit. You know what I mean? It was like holy cow. So that's what got me metal, and from that point, on, from that point on, it was you know. Slayer, Metallica, Iron Maiden, you know, all, all that, and just wanting to learn, you know. Those, how to play those songs on drums and just get better and better and better and um, I don't know and nowadays what inspires me just I don't know just, just just the love of just just playing man just being out there the the fact that people still want to hear hear me play you know what I mean yeah I know exactly what you're saying look I perform in covers bands on weekends and there's nothing like the feeling you get when someone comes up and is in, and says that they're inspired or uses words to the effect that they're inspired by your performance it does give yeah. you the boost that you need doesn't it yeah, I've had, you know, fans come up to me. I try to go out to, you know, the merch table after the shows as much as possible and meet fans, as you know, and stuff. And I've had fans tell me, you know, at one particular time, a fan was like, hey, just wanted to tell you I was thinking about committing suicide. And then your song, I can't remember what song it was. This was years ago in the beginning, came out and, you know, it totally, it, it saved my life. You know, stuff like that. Or people, a fan told me, you know, he, him and his dad hadn't didn't really have a good relationship for years and years and years and hadn't seen his dad in a few years. And then one of our songs inspired him to reconnect with his dad. And his dad was actually with him. He's like, here's my dad. And was like, dude, you know, that's, that's it right there. That's what makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. So you do get out there quite a bit. You've toured heaps and uh, you have toured with Kiss, Aerosmith, Seven Dust. And you also featured on the Make America Rock Again tour relatively recently. But... In your own yeah. words, mate, what are what are some of the memorable moments that you can share from any of these tours? Man, uh, just the fact that I was lucky enough to be on them for one. But I mean, you know, getting to go on tour with you know Kiss and Aerosmith and you know for two months was—I don't know how much better it can get than that, you know. And getting to actually conversate with those those people that 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 you idolized since you were a kid you know what i mean and now here they are and you're 
on their show and you're here you are sitting in a room having a small making small talk with them you know what i mean it's crazy yeah i can imagine was there any specific moments from the kiss tour in particular that you could share yeah the the coolest one of the coolest moments that i i, I think is at the end of uh the very last night of the tour, we uh, we got to talk to the Aerosmith guys quite a bit throughout that tour. We didn't really get to talk to the Kiss guys very much because I mean their, their makeup took like two hours. They got pressed. They're doing VIP meet and greets, and so they were busy. You know what I mean? It wasn't because they were assholes or nothing. It was just they were busy. So the last night of the tour, uh, we get we got done playing. It was us and me and Kiss and the Aerosmith every night. And me and our, our guitar player, Chris Baldo, at the time, he was in the band. We had our the air conditioner in our dressing room wasn't working, so we had the door propped open with like a trash can. And here comes Kiss in full makeup, costume, everything, walking to the stage. Paul Stanley's leading them. They walk past our door. He looks in and sees us stops they all walk in our dressing room and our dressing room at the time was literally like a closet i mean it's like tiny and here we are crammed in this little thing with kiss in full makeup and paul stanley was just like um hey i just wanted to tell you guys that we're sorry we didn't really get to you know hang out with you guys a bunch but you know we're busy and we're doing this and we're doing that and we really love your band and all that and you know um, yeah, fantastic. And it yeah. was pretty cool. You know what I mean? And then yeah. they went on stage. That's, I was like, wow, did that just happen? <laughs> yeah, I, look, I've only ever, I mean, I know the media tends to beat Paul up a little bit, but I've only ever, I, I do this a lot. I've interviewed over well over 200 people at this point, and I've only ever heard nice things about Paul Stanley. I've, I've even interviewed his son, Evan, who's got a, a band called The Dives, who was a wonderful bloke. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think he's very genuine. I think he's very genuine. That's and He loves the fans. Yeah, I've, I've never, yeah. 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 Genuine guy, man. All I, all of those guys were, were, you know, were legit. You know what I mean? I, I don't have a bad thing to say about any of them. Even the Aerosmith guys were total sweethearts. Yeah, cool, mate. Yeah. Mate, I'd better wrap things up. It's always too short, these 15-minute interviews. But, look, I should be at the uh, show at Crowbar in the Valley, which is in Brisbane, when you guys come down to Australia. So hopefully we can catch up for a beer. For sure. Absolutely, man. No worries, mate. All, all the best. And... You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with the drummer and percussionist for the band Saliva, Paul Crosby. Thank you so much for listening.